1: You're listening to Affected by Altitude, a Purple Row podcast for and by Rockies fans. Thank you for joining us as we discuss all things baseball and Colorado
0: Rockies. Hello and welcome to Affected by Altitude, a Purple Rope podcast, the Rockies affiliate of SB Nation. I am your main host, homie, Skylar Timmons, joined always by my other main homies, Mac Wilcox.
2: Yo, what's up, everyone? Good to be here. Good to get back into it. I've taken a few days uh, off for the All Star break.
0: Nice on. <laughs> <laughs> and our other main homie, Evan Lang.
1: Skylar's the main host, homie. I'm the main toast, homie facts and i like to roast
2: myself personally i'm a big old roast guy myself
1: (laughs) i like a nice roast in the oven yeah it's too hot for roasting it's just gonna make when it's when it's 95 plus degrees outside you don't want your oven on at temperatures i don't know uh, whatever temperature you need to make a roast i could always go for a,
2: a nice delicious like pork pot roast or something that's why I'm the main mm. roast homie,
0: man, because that stuff always hits for me. <laughs> so where I live up here in northern Colorado, I'm in somebody's basement, and they're always blasting the AC nice. a ton, and it leaks into the basement nice. more so. So while it's 100 and some odd degrees outside, I'm wearing a hoodie downstairs Yep, That's because it's move. so cold. That's that sounds That's where it's heavenly. At. That I sounds amazing.
1: That. I didn't have air conditioning as an adult until this year
2: but what a change in your quality of life huh
1: i can never go back
2: yep
0: (laughs) i remember at college in idaho where it was during a spring semester and it was so hot because our apartments didn't have ac and we were an upstairs apartment and just laying there in just misery (laughs) all night couldn't sleep because it's just so hot and muggy and
2: it's miserable when you don't have AC. In this kind of weather, it's horrible. Horrible.
0: Indeed it is. Ugh. But anyways, moving on from our extremely exciting chat here. <laughs> Off to a roaring start. Do you want that
1: or do you want the ASMR chat, though?
0: Uh, people have to pay extra for that on our Patreon page. True. Right? <laughs> <laughs> for the exclusive Affected by Altitude ASMR feed. But, moving right along, we've got a ton to talk about. We, well, kind of a loosey-goosey week this week, uh, because we had the All-Star break, and the second half began officially yesterday, or on Thursday, so we record this on Friday. You'll hear it on Monday. But Thursday, second half's in full swing now. Uh, Everybody's getting a game here on this Friday, as we get things started. So we're just going to talk about a bunch of stuff we'll have. Fucked on our the All-Star break, the All-Star game, the draft happened, and we'll talk about a little bit of the second half expectations for the Rockies, or predictions, that kind of thing, and then later half in the show. Uh, we're going to empathize with some uh, some fans over on the East Coast. We've definitely been in their situation before with a certain star player that we'll talk about. So plenty to talk about. We'll have plenty of fun here. Moving right along, the All-Star break happened. Uh what'd you guys do during the All-Star break? How'd you celebrate the break in the MLB season?
2: Not much, man. Um you know, I think it's weird because obviously I'm biased because last year the All-Star break took place here where we all live. But I don't know, the All-Star break didn't feel like a big deal this year. Like it just didn't feel like it had the same like I don't even know. It didn't feel like it had the same weight that it did last season. And so, like, this year's All-Star break just kind of came and went. Um, so I didn't really have anything exciting going on. I did catch the Derby, and I did catch the All-Star game itself. But I worked prior to both of those events, both of those days. So, yeah, it was fine. Like, it was cool. But it didn't feel like that special to me this time around.
0: Mm-hmm. I can get that. i yeah. kind of in that same boat. Yeah, Because well, the report that this was... Like, had the lowest attendance, or lowest, like, viewership in, like, quite a while, or something like that. And so, turns out, like, nobody seemed to care, or Mm -hmm. wanted to watch it, or... The attendance
1: wasn't great, either.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hey, but Justin Wick was there. That's right. homie here at Purple Row.
2: Holding it down for us.
0: Yeah, it's it's (laughs) weird, because, like,
2: this All-Star game, you know... I would say focus is focused more on like the young stars of the next generation more than like the past you have. So like what a great way to showcase, you know, Mm -hmm. the young talent that baseball is being built on in real time. But yeah, it just like, I don't know if it was a failure on marketing. I don't know if it was like just one of those things where there's too much going on in the world. But like, yeah, it just didn't feel like a big deal at all to me.
0: I think it was maybe a a combination of a lot of those things. Yeah. no. One, just maybe not marketed as well. There wasn't as much you know controversy around it as the one last year was with it getting pulled out of Atlanta mm-hmm. halfway through the season and then sent over to Colorado. You know, so there isn't that conversation there. But then I think, yeah, there's other things going on in the world. Maybe it wasn't marketed as well. Maybe people just didn't care for it being at Dodger Stadium because we're sick of hearing about the Dodgers. Also true. But then but something that kind of maybe sticks out to me is Look how I don't know if it was just me, but it felt like there were way more like substitutions for the All Star game this year of no replacement players for guys that oh this guy's named an All Star. It seemed like every other day we're getting like three or four replacements announced to the roster, where like Ken Rosenthal's count was like over 80 no All Stars this year or something. So I don't know if maybe that was a thing where. People saw that players just didn't like. Were choosing not to play or participate, and so diluting it more with more players maybe made it less important. I don't know. What do you guys think?
1: I don't know. And it it was weird because I also feel like they subbed out players during the game way more quickly. Mm -hmm. The National League All Stars had exhausted their bench by the seventh inning. Mm -hmm. It was. It's not. It was very weird. And and Mac, I definitely see where you're coming from with. not feeling as big a deal like I feel like I didn't really hear that much about it outside of Mm -hmm. the usual stuff and then I'm also definitely biased because last year at Coors Field I had all of All-Star Weekend off I went to all of the events had an amazing time and then you know this year I had to work uh, both during the derby and during the actual All-Star game Mm -hmm. Uh, I did watch the Futures game the Futures game was a lot of fun I really enjoyed that minus the Terrible presentation on Peacock. The presentation for the Futures game was awful. The audio mixing was bad. The commentary was bad. Uh, I got really frustrated because... So, Zach Veen, two for three, two stolen bases. Fantastic appearance at the Futures game. Someone to really be excited for. His first at-bat, they didn't even introduce him. And they didn't show most of his at-bat because they were lingering on some Dodgers prospect who was just like standing at first base he wasn't mm-hmm. going to steal he didn't have a particularly big lead and that was what they were focusing on and like you know i got some affection for yonder Alonzo because you know his his short period of time with the rockies was fun we had the the cucarachas that was that was really fun he is not a good commentator yeah. and so like the the futures game fun to watch as long as you weren't having to deal with the terrible presentation. Mm-hmm. But then you looked around, and that stadium was empty. Mm-hmm. Complete and total ghost town. It got a little bit better later on in the game. But you compare that to, like, yeah, of course, last year at course, the for the Futures game, the stadium wasn't as full as the Derby and the actual All-Star game. It was still pretty full. As someone who was there, it was, it was pretty full. And then for the Derby, from what I could tell early on, it was also totally empty. And then I didn't see what it was like for the All-Star game. And I think a lot of that is because Dodger Stadium is in a terrible location, traffic and commute-wise. And I think a lot of people just chose that they were not going to go. And also, tickets were way, way, way more expensive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. I don't know, it's tough. Like, I, I enjoyed parts of it. I, I thought the jerseys were better than what we yeah. got last year. <laughs> Uh, in in action I actually thought they looked pretty pretty solid yeah with uh, with the gold accent especially I wasn't expecting it to do it for me the uh, the American league ones with the with the dark gray and the gold hmm. I thought that worked pretty well especially compared to last year's you know, yeah junk <laughs> I
0: don't know what MLB's fascination is with the mesh on the hats this year yeah on the back and the weird placed. Stars on the front, yeah, that just looked so weird. We're like, oh, it's a little star like down in the bottom, right mm-hmm. next to the letter. I'm Like, why? <laughs> Either just put the whole thing in the star, or put the star on the side of the hat. Don't put it on the front awkwardly.
1: Yeah, the last year's hats I actually really liked. Mm-hmm. Um, not the not the actual in-game hats where they were you know Braves colors because they were lazy and didn't update them, but the the workout hats that they had. Where it was just the team logo inside of a star, those were good. Uh, but yeah, the mesh hats this year, the the spring training hats that gave everybody who didn't have as much hair uh, head sunburns. Mm-hmm.
0: No good, no good at all.
1: <laughs> but hey, at least we had Zach Veen in the Futures game, kill it, and CJ Crone got to make an appearance as an All Star, so yep. which yes, was awesome. He did. It you was, very, it was exciting there, to I see think. him,
2: and he made the last play, of the last out of the uh, American League's um, offensive, you know, output. Like he he got the last out in the top of the ninth. Is the way to say that without sounding like a robot. Um, so that was very <laughs> cool to see, you know, him get in the game. Um, that would Looking
0: dude fly I mean, on the red carpet.
2: I didn't know. I don't want to like step your toes, Skyler. If you're trying to do like segmenting, but like I'm just going to jump into it. The all Australian was mad boring, like. I get that it's hard to have a very exciting, like, offensive game because, you know, when you get the best relief pitchers in the world all in the same team, like, you're not going to score that often. Like, fine.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, that's why the American League only got the three runs in one inning, and that was it. All of which came off of Los Angeles Dodger, Tony Gonsolin, which is fine. You know, I'm just saying, you know, maybe, you know, don't put record and make a guy an all-star based on record alone, but whatever But whatever. Uh, but, yeah, like... You know, I, it was cool. Like, I get it. Like, I I like, I don't know. It's so weird because I like games that have tight pitching and tight defense. But I think it's different when you're in, like, a regular season game and, like, you have, like, a pitching duel between, like, two starters that are each throwing, like, seven innings. And they've given up, like, one run or no runs. And it's like, oh, these two guys are, like, pitching like crazy. Versus, like, okay, well, here comes a reliever this inning. And he strikes out the side. And at the bottom mm-hmm. of the inning, oh, here comes a reliever. And he gets you know, two strikeouts and a ground out. And then the next inning. Oh, well, this guy comes in two ground outs and a strikeout as well. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just like, nobody Mm -hmm. can hit off of these guys and they come in and they work one inning, especially you get the substitutions in there who haven't played the entire game. So they're coming in totally fresh and it's like, okay, great. Now you've got to, you know, face the, like I said, like the best relievers in the world. And it's not the fault of the all-star game. It is what it is. And I get that, but it's like, it just doesn't make for me like that exciting a viewing experience. When you're actually Mm -hmm. watching the game, because you're just like, okay, well, you know, it's not going to like the the score is unlikely to change at this point. Like once you get past like the fourth inning, like if you haven't scored at that point in the game, like it is probably unlikely that you're going to the the scoring in this game took place in the uh, second in the first and then the fourth inning. So the National League got their two runs in the first inning, you know, which was cool. Like, that's exciting. Right. We didn't expect to see that. Like, that's interesting. No scoring until the top of the fourth when, you know, like I said, Gonson gave up a couple of home runs. And that's it. That was the entirety of the scoring. So, I don't know. Woo. It was fine. I liked it. I liked the All-Star game. I like seeing, you know, players be given a spotlight and everything. But as far as, like, the actual viewing experience of the game for me, it wasn't, was not the most engaging.
1: I mean, I think that's a problem with all-star games across a lot of different sports is that nobody's necessarily going all-out for a meaningless mid-season exhibition game. Hmm. Hmm. And there's not really a cohesive game plan or, like, coaching anything. It's really just, hi, I'm here at the all-star game, and this coach is coaching at the all-star game. But if you think that, you know, Dave Roberts, or whoever he had as his hitting coach, sat down with the National League all-stars and discussed hitting strategy and plate approach, that's not... That's not going to happen. And there, there were definitely some cool moments. John uh, Carlos Stanton demolishing that yeah. baseball, that was great. Really enjoyed that. But you know, at the at the end of the day, it's it's just an exhibition, and it's you take what you get. There have definitely been more exciting All Star games, though. I think mm-hmm. last year's All Star game was also a lot more fun. Yeah. Though I was also at that game and having a lovely time, so. Again, I'm biased, but there was more scoring, and it felt mm-hmm. more engaging than it did this year. Yep. Mm-hmm. Just totally turn, agree. Yeah,
0: especially nowadays with as much money as in baseball and the, the point in the season, nobody wants to get hurt you know, and everything. So I think the solution is they need to involve like more activities, more events outside of like the regular All-Star game type thing. You no, know, Have a event for the pitchers. Have... Kind of like they do for the Pro Bowl in mm-hmm. the NFL. Yeah. Skills you know, challenges. Yeah, the skills yeah. challenges. That's yeah. fun to watch. Yep. You know, I, that's why we love the Home Run Derby so much. We can transition to that right now. Of you know, Why events like the Home Run Derby are so much fun. Because just it's just this lighthearted environment where we get to see guys kind of show off this skill of hitting home runs. And there's nothing more exciting than a home run hitting competition. Which says a lot when... About the All-Star Game when everybody was rooting for a tie. Yeah. So we could go to a home run derby. Yeah. Now That says a lot about the All-Star Game product as a whole. It's a really good point. <laughs> and also since the game's meaningless at this point, since it doesn't have any ties to the postseason anymore.
1: It's just a yeah. a
0: thing that happens now.
1: Which, to be fair, is a good thing. I always yeah. thought it was ridiculous that they had home and Field advantage for the playoffs Agreed. tied to the All-Star Game. Agree. But think about... Like all the cool pitching uh, skills challenges you could do, like you do accuracy for pitching, where you have to knock down a bunch of uh, things with well placed pitches or something. That'd be really cool. Dodgeball cool. and then the derby was for for what little I got to watch of it was, as always, fun. Uh, you had rookie Julio Rodriguez from the Seattle Mariners hit eighty one total home runs.
2: You had like Albert Pujols come in. And whether you not, you want to call it Pujols stepped up or Schwarber choked, I think both of those are pretty equally true. He but Pujols, <laughs> Pujols, got to got to move up. That was pretty cool, you know, to see Pujols move into the second round. Um, you know, it was cool that the finals came down to Juan Soto and Julio Rodriguez because they're both, you know, two like young outfielders who, again, like that's the future of baseball. And then, like, I don't know which one of you guys just said it, um, but, like, the casual environment. I actually think that's the most fun part of this whole weekend, is, like, how much fun it is and how casual it is. Like you guys said, when it used to be that the All-Star game determined home-field advantage in the World Series, which, like, why that was ever a thing is, is just beyond me, but whatever. Now, it's just, like, it's about having fun, it's about, you know... Seeing guys you would normally see making connections, you know what? Okay, you know what they did kill in the All Star Game, which I thought was fantastic. Miked up pitchers, Leia like, was awesome to see Alec Manoa pitching, striking out the side while mic'd up. I thought that was awesome. I'd love
1: seeing John Smoltz um, telling him what to throw.
2: Yeah, yeah, dude, and being yeah, terrible like, at it. Totally. Um, you know, you had a uh, um Nestor Cortez, who was working with his catcher from the Yankees, Jose Trevino, and like they had some really interesting insight during the at bats while they were pitching. So I love stuff like that. That was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, the game itself was not great, but I but credit where it's due, the miked up pitchers, the mic'd up batters, obviously when they're out in the field. I mean that's where we got one of the most famous Charlie Blackman sound bites of all time, right? Is when he's standing out there in right field and he goes, Yeah, I mess with my glove. I kick some grass it gets really lonely out here. Like it's I love stuff like that. So I thought I thought in that aspect of the All Star game this year, I think that was fantastic. Highlighted yeah. game for me.
1: The the mic'd up players really add to that, like casual environment. Yep. Like Liam Hendricks is always yeah. really fun to game. He's have a trick, he? uh, and I was I was talking with a friend and we were discussing, you know, mic'd up players in other all star games, and he was talking about um, I think it was Marty Turco, he said way back in the day, who was mic'd up in net, and that was just really interesting and, and fun. Like, he would miss a goal and then be like, yeah, that's your guys' fault, blame the blame mm. the commentators. <laughs> but that that is one thing that the All-Star Game does really well, and I feel like, I don't know, I just don't really have a good concrete reason for why this year felt kind of off. Mm. I yeah. think I'm going to
2: personally say it's marketing. We've talked a lot. We've said it many times in this podcast. I've always felt that if there's one thing, there's a lot of things that baseball could do differently. But I really think one thing that baseball has got to get better at, they've got to get better at, is marketing the game itself. Not focusing on these rule changes. Um, you know, NFTs. I'll, yeah. like Or did you see the one on Twitter today? It's not even on our run sheet because I just saw it. But like um, – that they put, like, lines in between the bases now to indicate where infielders are allowed to stand so that they, like, don't go... It's their way of, like, limiting shifts where it's like, okay, here's the line between first and second base. Like, you have to be in front of this line, not behind it type deal. And it's just like, bro, like, oh, stop it. Stop that right now. But instead of that or, you know, the other various rule changes we talked about in the last couple of seasons, like, if they just mark it, I mean we just talked about it. The Juan Soto and Julio Rodriguez should have be should have been a huge deal in the mm-hmm. finals of the all, of the Home Run Derby. And Albert Pujols playing in likely his last All-Star game should have been a huge deal. You know what I mean? And Shohei Otani and all these other guys, these young incredible superstars that are all over baseball now being given a stage in the all-star game to show their talents off to the world should have been a huge deal. And it just didn't feel like a big deal at all. Like if you were not already a baseball fan, I cannot imagine you were tuning in to watch the all-star game. Mm -hmm. Whereas like I, I, I watch hockey. I'm, I'm wearing an avalanche shirt as we're talking here today. Um, this is not a visual medium, but y'all can imagine it. Um, like I'm not going to say that I'm a huge avalanche fan, but I know I, I have a, decent-ish idea of the players on the Avalanche, but I don't have a great knowledge of the NHL as a whole. But, like, if the NHL, you know, were to market the the NHL All-Star game, the skills challenges, which we just talked about, like, I would watch that. That sounds cool. And I just don't think baseball does that at all. I don't think it's good at, at you know, enticing new fans to check it out. It's a mm-hmm. hard sell if you're saying, like, okay, look, like go watch an Angels game. And you'll see Shohei Otani. Like, that's a big deal. Like, that's a hard sell for a lot of people because, like, I don't care about the Angels. You know, I know the name Mike Trout, but I don't don't know about half of the team beyond him. But if you just say, here's the collection of talent that baseball has, watch this game, see some of these guys in action, hear them mic'd up, see their personality shine, that's fantastic. That's awesome. But Mm -hmm. I don't think people know that it's there. So that's why, you know, the numbers are down. That's why you see... Some of the information that comes out about, like you said, Evan, like the stadium being empty. So, you know, and then you get into the, uh, like you said, the Futures game and how that was presented. And that's a whole other nightmare. <laughs> yeah. You
1: know, like, I get that the the Futures game is not as big a draw for, for people who don't really care about prospects. And, you know, that's fine. But they also didn't market the Futures game particularly well either. And then the... It was on Peacock, mm. which a lot of people don't have, and the presentation was bad. And then for the for the Derby and the All Star Game, they were you know blacked out. Yep. No. Like to no. watch the All Star Game on your MLB TV subscription, which can cost like a hundred and sixty dollars, you also had to have a cable subscription to log into. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm.
2: It's ridiculous.
0: Yeah, when those type of things could easily be made for free or streamed on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Heck, put MLB on Twitch. I don't mm. care. Reach it out to the kids. Use TikTok.
1: Yeah, literally, literally, something. Also, Mac, real quick in regards to the NHL All Star Game, they need to bring back goalie races for the skills challenge.
2: <laughs> they totally do. They totally do.
1: <laughs> they
2: should
0: have a Fight Club type skills event.
2: Dude, if they had a if they had like a circle for the NHL All Star Game and the skills sounds like all right, get in the circle, fight like. <laughs> I'd watch it. I mean, like, hey, you know what? Like, just get some of the toughest uh, goons in the NHL get out there and just throw up some hands. I'd be, I'd be down.
1: I don't know. One of the fun things in the NHL All Star Game is when they pretend to fight. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, because yeah, they're yeah. never going to actually fight, but they have a couple things where like they they pretend to start squaring up.
2: Give the fans a show, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: No, oh.
0: and entertainment—that's the. The end goal is yep. make it an entertaining thing. When it's entertaining, people will care about mm-hmm. it. And baseball is kind of doing the wrong things to not make it look exciting. Mm-hmm. So, and, and now all
1: we can do is just sort of wait and see what happens for next year. Um, mm-hmm. 2023 All-Star Game is going to be hosted at T-Mobile Park in Seattle. Uh, they're going to be revealing their logos and stuff tonight, I believe. Um, I think Seattle is a great location for... Mm-hmm. For the All Star Game, yeah. uh, T-Mobile Park is a fantastic ballpark. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and that, maybe that could be another one of those things, like we we're talking about before, of why that All Star Game maybe didn't feel as important, because again, is at Dodger Stadium. Yep, and all we hear about every year, all year, every year during the season is about the Dodgers. You know, Dodgers are the best team in baseball. The Dodgers signed this free agent for. Mm-hmm. Thou- or millions of dollars. Oh, the Dodgers just traded for this huge talent. Oh, the Dodgers are in the World Series again. Oh, the Dodgers haven't lost the National League West. in. The- they've won it this many times in this many years. And so I think everybody was burnt out on not wanting to care about the Dodgers.
2: Dodgers fatigue is real.
1: And it was so frustrating because they named Clayton Kershaw the starter. Oh, and their mm-hmm. justification for having him Don't even be the starter start over Sandy Alcantara was... That, oh, because they're playing at Dodger Stadium, so he's the hometown guy. But if that's the case, then why didn't Erman Marquez get to start the All-Star game last year? Bang.
0: Uh, Because Max Scherzer was a replacement player, and we need to use him.
1: Yeah, it's again just this favoring of these bigger market teams. And I do think that turns a lot of other fans off as well. Totally. When you're just salivating all over this big market team and the other teams are getting their due I think that's why part of why the All-Star game at Coors Field did so well I think it's part of why the uh, All-Star game next year at T-Mobile is going to do well and a big thing Mm -hmm. was last year they marketed the home run derby really really well yes they did of we're going to be using juiced balls that are not in the humidor a mile above sea level and we're going to see how far they fly yes and that was great. That was so good They had like multiple five hundred foot home runs. Mm-hmm. I was sitting up in the third deck, and home runs were getting up there all the way to the rooftop bar mm-hmm. and so i it really is I think it's I think you guys are nailing it where it's it's Dodgers fatigue and big market team fatigue, yeah, and it's marketing
2: yeah I, I, I think at times baseball and this is true of all sports like i'm not it's this isn't just an mlb thing but just because it's an mlb podcast so like i think at times baseball it kind of feels like if you're not a fan of new york la or like you know probably boston like then you're just not like you don't have the history your team doesn't have the lineage your team doesn't have the the standard that's been set by a lot of other teams, and I think they forget like baseball has smaller market teams than almost any other sports. I mean, you know, you've got Kansas City is not a huge market comparatively. You know what I mean? The Rockies, the Rockies. Yeah, Denver's a pretty big city, but look at the Rockies' sphere of influence in baseball. It is all encompassing in the mountain area. Like we've got. Fans in Wyoming. Shouts to Renee Deckert, but we've got fans in, um, you know, the the Wyoming area, and and these other and Nevada, and just all these other areas that don't have, you know, a, a good foothold of a sports franchise. Um, and so I know I'm I'm running long here, so I'll wrap this up or whatever. But like, yeah, I just I just think that there is that fatigue of those of those big market teams, and you know. Baseball should recognize those big teams. Of course they should. Obviously, it's a big moneymaker. But, like, give something to these other teams too, man. Like, CJ Crohn was a big deal. Like, he was having a great season. Julio Rodriguez is a phenom. Like, like, pay attention to these other teams. I'm off my soapbox. It's whatever. It's all good. I just – I get real frustrated with stuff like that. That's all. There yeah, are more so teams When, in when you had the young
1: future to. of baseball – and you didn't focus on that to instead focus on Clayton Kershaw and the Dodgers. Yep. That's such a missed opportunity. Mm-hmm. Which, it was a Dodger
2: that lost that game. And, and a rant. Zing. Zing.
0: Yeah. It's a it's a frustrating thing. One thing I want to touch on real quick here before we head into the break. Uh, I feel like one thing that did kind of get you know, marketed a little bit better was the draft. Yes. It seemed like people are a little bit more interested in the draft this year than they have in the past. Yes. Or at least even I like was noticing more talk about the draft, seeing things pop up more this year. Uh, so we we'll won't focus a whole ton on this. Uh, we'll leave that for our homies at the Pebble Report podcast. But touch on here, folks are saying the Rockies did well. They took Gabriel Hughes as their their first round pick, their first pick of the draft. Uh, they had three in that first round overall. Uh, what was it? Selected good number players, took a lot of pitchers, stocking up on pitchers and whatnot, which is good. Um, I even saw some think something where Rockies are really lacking in was outfielders and some corner infielders. I don't know about <laughs> you. I think we're just deplete, restocking a depleted section of our roster in the system. <laughs> but something I wanted to ask you guys here real quick was, was there a player that you're most excited about or that stuck out the most to you? With the Rockies drafted this year.
2: Um I'm a Gabriel Hughes guy. I'm bought in. I really think that he's got stuff. You know, he's 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 a young guy, but he's already touching 97 miles per hour. I mean, I, that is just that's nuts to me. Um so I am I'm bought in on what he can do. He had a really nice uh, feels weird to call it a career, but he had a nice stint in Gonzaga. Um you know, I think that some people were surprised to see him go so high, uh, like you said. But I I really think he's got stuff. Uh, Maybe, you know, not quite first round, like 10th overall stuff, but I I really do think that he's got something. Uh, The other player for me is um, Beck. I really think that uh, he has got, you know, that fired uh, Jordan Beck out of Tennessee. He, you know, maybe needs to mature a little bit. Everyone knows about um, his sort of antics or whatever in the college baseball playoffs. But I, I do think he profiles well as a, contributing outfielder for the Rockies in the next few seasons, obviously impossible. By the way, outfielder, I meant, um, you know, outfielder or potentially, you know, moving around. Like he, he's athletic. Like I say outfielder, cause that's where he's, he's known to play, but he's athletic. He can play kind of wherever. So I think that he is somebody that obviously it's impossible to talk about what the timetable is going to be, but maybe five, six years from now, man, like he could be your starting left fielder or center fielder, or if they move him around somewhere, he could play somewhere else too. Cause he's just got kind of that kind of athlete. So, I really like his upside as well. Those are the two that really stick out for me.
1: Uh, my guy is going to be uh, Sterling Thompson out of hmm. the University of Florida. I really, really, um, I follow Florida baseball a little bit. Uh, and Sterling is is one of my guys where he's really good at putting the bat to the ball and the power is really starting to, to arrive for him. I think. As we see him develop in the Rockies farm system, you're going to see him start to hit more and more home runs in addition to having uh, pretty solid on-base skills. Uh, The big thing for me is they drafted him as an outfielder, but I'm not sure if they will play him as an outfielder because he can also play second and third third base. So we'll really see where he ends up. My thoughts are that they might lean him towards second base, especially with... Um, the drafting of Jordan back in the next round, um, just because you've got then the the whole full, the full-on outfielder, and then Sterling Thompson's got more of that uh, positional versatility. But I I really really liked that pick. Yep. Um, I wasn't thrilled that he's drafted as an outfielder, just because as we've said so many times, the Rockies have so many outfielders. The the thing, the thing with him, though, is that he can play second and third base means that we can tool around with where he, we put him and develop him while he's in the Rockies farm system, and I think he has fantastic potential. I also really like our 10th round pick, uh, right-handed pitcher and shortstop, Zach Agnos from East Carolina. Um, basically, he is or was a two, complete two-way player in college where really solid defensive shortstop really solid hitter but then also uh, a pretty solid pitcher on the mound with good stuff that can develop more if he's not uh, going to be brought in as a as a two-way player, which I think is incredibly boring. I think the Rockies should let him stay a two-way player for a bit and see what happens with that Yeah, just for fun. Like, There's nothing to lose out of that but he's got a, a really good arsenal of breaking pitches that held opposing batters to an OPS of 400 or lower which is fantastic he had a 100% stolen base success rate he's quick he can hit he can get on base he's even got a little bit of power he had seven home runs last year with East Carolina there you go like come on Rockies let this guy be a two-way player Hmm. if you let him if you let him be a two-way player he is probably outside outside of Sterling Thompson my favorite player that we drafted
2: dig it which by the way your coverage of the draft this weekend was fantastic by the way you killed that Skylar, who'd you, you get?
1: Uh, I really
0: don't care that much about the draft because I have no opinion of who gets drafted and whatnot. Fair. Until they're already drafted <laughs> and start doing stuff in the system because it's such a crapshoot. That's a like reasonable. <laughs> you can never. It's a gamble. It, you don't it's know. It's too true. So I'm glad they took a bunch of pictures. That's good. And hopefully they all work out. <laughs> that <laughs> works for me. <laughs> I Almost just hope uh,
2: everybody always. has fun.
0: It's true. <laughs> I love that. Uh also, real quick, wanna point out, uh congratulations to former Rockies legend Matt Holliday and his son, who's yes. eighteen, going on twelve. Uh <laughs> who was drafted first overall by the Baltimore Orioles, so congratulations to the Holiday family. Yep. Uh wish we could have gotten him. But hey, that's baseball. Absolutely.
1: But seriously, I knew cute. he was gonna be gone before the Rockies picked at number ten. Uh, I was actually a little surprised that he went first overall. I knew he was in the Mm -hmm. running for it, but I was expecting maybe maybe one of the other guys to get picked. And then right off the bat, Baltimore takes Jackson Holliday. I'm like, oh, well, there you go then. There it is. There
0: you go. But
1: seriously, that kid looks like he is still in fifth grade. He's
0: young, man.
2: He looks like a child.
0: (laughs) And then he talks like this. (laughs) Hey, what's up, everybody?
1: Got that. Booming holiday baritone, indeed. But and he's got he's got the flowing the flowing locks versus his poor bald dad,
0: <laughs> <laughs> who still looks like he could be playing right now. And literally, he's tanks. jacked,
1: isn't he? He's still
2: jacked. Good for Matt. Yeah.
0: So congratulations to the holiday family. Uh, hopefully, the Orioles, who are on the rise, get to enjoy him in a in several years. So. Hmm. We're going to go ahead and take a quick break here. Uh, Still plenty to talk about. We'll touch on some second half predictions. And maybe we'll touch on that Juan Soto situation a little bit when we come back. So stick around after the break. Hello and welcome back to Affected by Altitude. Thanks for sticking with us through the break. Again, I'm still Super Saiyan Skylar Timmons. Joined by Super Saiyan 2, Mac Wilcox. And Super Saiyan 3, Evan Lang.
1: Oh, does that mean I don't have eyebrows anymore?
0: Yes, but you have a gigantic golden mullet.
1: So it really is a win in the end.
0: That you can only hold for a short period of time since you're in That's your right. mortal form.
2: That's right. Uh,
0: but we're not here to talk about Dragon Ball Z. You yeah. know, we could spend a lot of time talking about that. <laughs> but we're going to move on. Second half started. The Rockies are back in action. Uh, kind of a lackluster first half. They started playing a little bit better baseball once Chris Bryant uh, came back off the injured list finally again and started playing regularly. Uh, but still, not a great first half. Pitching was kind of terrible. Uh, the The rotation as a whole was kind of not what we hoped it would be. The offense was kind of lackluster as well, aside from some good performances from a couple of guys. But now the second half started. Uh, we're currently somewhere under 500, and their main goal is hopefully to get to 500 by the by the trade deadline. Who knows if that will happen. But second half, I just want to talk about what our expectations are, what our predictions may be for the second half, or what do you hope to see here in the second half of the 2022 season for the Rockies? We'll start with Mac here.
2: I think for me, it's a lot to ask for the Rockies to be playing meaningful baseball in September relative to like a playoff spot, obviously, because like, I just don't necessarily think that that's in the cards this season. But I do think that the Rockies are. I think the Rockies are capable of finishing within four or five games of 500, which they basically, as the as the second half starts on the day we're recording, which is obviously Friday, the Rockies start play today with the Brewers, um, 43 and 50, and actually the Brewers are the opposite; they're 50 and 43. So, the Rockies are seven games under 500. So I think. It is certainly within reason for the Rockies to finish five or less games under 500. And a few things are going to have to come together to make that a reality, right? Chris Bryant is going to have to keep hitting the way he's hitting. Which, by the way, like, you know, like, sorry if this is, like, me being, like, a Rockies apologist or whatever, like, people want to call it. But, like, I do cover the Rockies, and I'm a Rockies, you know, beat writer, so, like... I'm probably not going to paint him in a terrible light all the time if I can avoid it. But, but like, objectively, Chris Bryant has been fantastic. Like, he has. Since he came back from his injury, since he has finally, like, gotten his back in order, he finished July, the the month of July, with an average of 3.53. okay? Like, he is everything that the Rockies could have asked for when they signed him originally, since he's been back from his injury, so... He's going to have to keep that going. The the biggest thing for the Rockies is going to have to be getting that rotation figured out. As we start play today, we kind of have this interesting little dichotomy with Antonio Sensatella is likely to be brought back to the big league team after he is finishing up his rehab assignment at AAA pretty shortly. What does that mean for the rotation? Jose Urania has pitched great since he joined the Rockies. Um, Austin Gombert kind of up and down. Kyle Freeland kind of up and down. Herman Marquez, very very rough first half in general, but starting getting started to get it together a little bit here uh, in those last few starts. Um, Chad Cool, the opposite, right? Started off fantastic, last few starts kind of, eh, like, like like not terrible, but not like necessarily amazing. So, do the Rockies do that six man rotation? Does somebody move to the pen? Is it going to be Austin Gomber again? Who? worked out of the bullpen at a, at a point this season. I don't know. But that's going to be the biggest thing for the Rockies is getting that rotation sorted out, especially because the bullpen, especially recently, has actually pitched pretty well. Daniel Bard should have been an all-star. We've all talked about that. Alex Colomay has looked good recently. Uh, we've had some really nice outings from uh, Lucas Gilbreth and from Ty Block recently. So if the Rockies' rotation can get it together and if the rest of the lineup can kind of just hit around Bryant and back him up, I think it's well within reason for the Rockies to finish five games or less of five hundred. That is my that is my goal for a successful season.
1: Interesting.
0: Yeah. Interesting. What
1: you got, Evan? I feel like that's pretty reasonable. Um I really wanted to see so the Rockies finish their last ten games before the All-Star Break with a seven and ten record uh, across those ten games. I really wanted to see us complete the sweep of the Pirates and they just, it was, it was not a good game and it was very frustrating because it was a series that we won, but uh, just a way to absolutely kill momentum going into the all-star break. And they're going to need to find that momentum very quickly against a, a pretty solid Brewers team. And... The Rockies have a very tough schedule. They have one of the harder schedules in baseball, and they play more on the road in the second half than they do at home. Especially with um, against the Dodgers. um, At the very end of the season, we're playing six in a row in Los Angeles against the Dodgers, and that is a tall order. I would... So we're about six and a half games back from a wild card spot right now. It's not impossible but the odds are very very against us and so i'm i'm in the same boat where i would at least like to see us finish somewhere in the vicinity of 500 and and really prove that this team can be on the up and up especially when it sounds like you know bill schmidt and the Rockies front office aren't going to do much in terms of a rebuild uh talking with the with the other writers it really feels like they're sort of targeting a quick turnaround contention window of like 2024 or something. But like you said, the rotation is going to be hugely important. And uh, there's been talk that they're going to run with a six man rotation going forward Hmm. because um, Jose Ureña in three starts is already in the top 12 for uh, player value on baseball reference for the Rockies, Hmm. uh, which says, unfortunately a lot about the Rockies as a whole. But if Jose Reina can continue to be good and be like, oh, hey, look, the Rockies for once took a pitcher who didn't do that well in the rest of baseball, but we took him in and he started doing really well, I'd be super down with that. But I also don't want to logjam our rotation too much. There's also a lot we need to discuss in terms of Austin Gomber, who is just having a really difficult season. Um, who finally, in his last start of the season, got his ERA down below six, and Woo. and that's been a big problem. Home runs have been big for him. Same for Erman. Um Antonio Senzatela has been good for home runs, but he's been hurt. And um, nobody's nobody's got an ERA below four. Best ERA on the team is Chad Cool at four uh, four eleven, but there's just so much that that needs to be done and the the rotation really needs to round it out and I, and you know Jose Arenia has an area of 145 and that's awesome but he's only got three starts. Yeah. And so we need to see how he continues to do throughout the season and I think a lot is going to weigh on what we do at the deadline. Like if we don't offload Jose Iglesias or or somebody I think it's harder for me to exude a lot of interest in how the Rockies do for the rest of this season because I don't think they're going to make a wild card. I just don't think that's in the, in the cards for them, as it were. But I want to see them you know, get some value for these guys who are not going to be around next year. Or at the very least, should not be around next year. Like we talked about it last week, if Jose Iglesias is still on this team next year, there is a problem there. But all we all we can really do is sort of hope that the the rotation especially turns it around. The bullpen's been a lot better. Um, unfortunately, Carlos Estevez, uh, Julius Chassin have been struggling a lot. Um, Jake Bird is is hitting some issues, though he's a rookie, so I'm not terribly worried. I am super happy with how Lucas Gilbreth has turned his season around. He's been absolutely yep. fabulous uh, after he made it through April. So it's, it's really going to be the pitching and it's going to be, can the offense figure out some kind of cohesive played approach and hitting philosophy on the road, especially with how many road games we have left.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's the big question of, you mean, know, the, the expectation, the thing to look at, is that they figure out a way to score runs on the road and pitch better on the road, too, and just pitch better overall. You know, maybe a six-man rotation does help alleviate some of that workload, where then gives them more time to work on stuff in between starts, but who knows. But yeah, I, I'm kind of in that same boat, where the expectation would be they just pitch better. You now that's what you'd hope they do, is pitch better and figure out to hit consistently, you know have consi- consistent games, a consistent approach at the plate, where they get on a roll and start hitting the ball more, get it in play, stop striking out as much, mm-hmm. and not you know scratch one run across during a six-game road trip or something. You know, yes, have some offense. You no, know, be offensive, Rockies offense.
1: <laughs> be offensive start- rather than offensive. Yeah. <laughs> And you know what? If if the rotation can't turn it around and if the hitting continues to struggle on the road, there is no excuses for Daryl Scott and for Dave Magadan to not be terminated at the end of the season hmm. because something very clearly is not working if that is the case. If they're not able to adjust and rebound after a rough first half and the rotation especially continues to struggle the Rockies need to look at making a change to pitch and coach because yeah. we've seen how solid this rotation can be and we are not getting that out of pretty much anybody this year and mm-hmm. so it really is going to be how we finish out the second half it, even, even record doesn't necessarily matter though of course we'd like to see the team be closer to 500 than not what matters is individual performances and performances of groups such as the such as the rotation and how they are looking going into the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And and here's, okay, this may be a hot take um, and hopeless optimism, but as of now, in that wild card standing, the Rockies are 43 and 50 as of today of recording on Friday. So they're are six and a half games out of the third wild card spot. The teams that are ahead of them are Miami, San Francisco and, and then St. Louis and Philadelphia are tied for that third place spot. So is it wholly out of the question that they can have some sort of miracle run a la 2007 to make the playoffs? It's never out of the question. But is it as likely? Probably not. But I see them at least maybe, you no, know, I could see them if they get hot at some point and figure out these things, they could easily you know, fight for that third wild card spot. Expanded playoffs kind of, help. It's I know it's a terrible consolation prize, but low-hanging fruit, but it's good to have some hope. Where, hey, if they can get hot at the right time, you know, kind of figure something out on the road, get hot at the right time, they're right in there you know, facing off against Nolan Arenado in the playoffs. Yep. Well, fighting for the playoffs against Nolan Arenado, something like that. So... That would be my prediction, is that they get hot at some point and make a run for that third wild card spot.
2: Wow. That's your prediction, huh?
0: It's my hopelessly optimistic prediction.
2: I like it. I like that.
0: It's better to have hope on a season than not at all, you know? Big agree. Yep. Where I'd, I'd much rather they have a chance to do something than you know, face another losing season without any hope.
1: Totally agree. Yeah, what, what I'm really hoping for for the second half of the season is in that last 10 games, we saw Elias Diaz start to finally heat up. His average is up to 231. If he can hit well in the second half, I will be feeling a lot more better about things. Absolutely.
0: Mm-hmm. If the Rockies can just be at least a like 500 team on the road in the second half, that's going to be a lot better for them than... The 15 games they won in the first half on the road, which was the, like, only the Tigers had less wins on the road than us. Mm. So, they got to figure that out.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And we end the season with six games against the Dodgers, so that'll be fun in Los Angeles.
1: That's that's such an unfair way to flex that schedule post-lockout.
0: Mm-hmm oh, what's that, Rockies? You want to play against the division leader? Six games on the road at the end of the season where you could, oh, in the perfect world, be fighting for a playoff spot? <laughs> <laughs> to heck with you. No, that's kind of the feeling. But we'll see what happens. But I think we're all in agreement. We need better pitching. Yep. And we need to hit on the road. Those two Absolutely. things are the, the big, big expectations and Hopeful things happen for the Rockies. But, hey, more baseball. <laughs> okay, last thing we want to talk on here. Uh, this is outside. We haven't done this in a while, talking outside of Rockies baseball. But kind of during the All-Star break, and leading into the All-Star break, now it came out that Juan Soto of the Washington Nationals, no, the, what is he, 23 right now, 24? 23. Super young. Super young superstar. Turned down like a 15-year, $440 million contract extension offer from the Nationals. And they kind of, looks like it's kind of like, the, oh, they're going to start looking at trading him away. And so that's kind of the talk of the town in all of baseball of this dream trade scenario of acquiring Juan Soto. And, you know, he seems pretty unhappy with the organization now, unhappy that no, kind of the story and everything went public and everything, and then you got Scott Boris's agent, kinda of sowing the seeds of distrust in the in the world of the nationals and with fans and everything and in the baseball world. No let's empathize with these national fans for a moment because no what kind of organization alienates a star player that's a franchise cornerstone and unfortunately kinda pushes him away forcing a big trade that doesn't go over very well with a lot of folks. I can't imagine whoever has done that.
2: No, no, yeah. There's it's no unheard of. At all. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. This Juan Soto thing is a weird one because the the asking price for Juan Soto to go to another team allegedly, right? Like supposedly the rumor mill blah 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 hot stove all that. Apparently the bare minimum asking price is like the top four prospects of like whatever team plus something else no way personally i cannot make sense of that the top four prospect any like just about any baseball team unless your farm system is just decrepit i cannot imagine that it'd be worth that you know look at the rockies man are you are you really willing like if you're you know even if you're like a casual Rockies fan and you, and you don't really follow the pipeline, maybe not as much as my man, Evan or, or, you know, you guys do, or, or, you know, Kenneth or Justin or whatever, but like, even if you're just a Rockies fan in general and somebody says, yeah, the nationals want to trade Juan Soto to the Rockies. All the Rockies have to do is give up their top four prospects. What does that look like? That means that at a bare minimum to just like start the conversation you're losing Zach Veen, Ezekiel Tovar, Drew Romo, and Adel Amador, if not also Benny Montgomery. Are you like, are you even considering that trade? Maybe some people are, but for me, absolutely not. This whole thing is very, very weird. I'll let Evan touch on some of the weird like story details that came out this weekend, but for me, it's just a bit too much, and it's it's getting a bit ridiculous. The asking price.
0: Mm-hmm. And like, it, it's even more than just those prospects. Where yeah, Juan Soto still under control for a couple years, mm-hmm. but his asking price for an extension, you no, know, who can afford five hundred million dollars? Who can afford to pay a single player Max Scherzer money, which he's earning over forty million a year? Mm-hmm. Who can a- really afford that? You no, know, and that's just what we talked about earlier. Then kind of funneling assets and more stars of the game yeah. to those big market teams. Oh, Juan Soto's a Dodger now. Yep. Oh, Juan Soto's a New York Yankee now. You know, it's not good for the game if those type of things keep happening. You no, know, yeah, Juan Soto's a fantastic generational player, but is he worth the asking price? Oh, that that's the kind of thing because it's all those prospects you mentioned. And then $500 million. Yep. So it's it gets kind of rough.
1: What do you think, Evan? I think it's really tough because two and a half years of control of Juan Soto is better than nothing. But mm-hmm. you are basically obliterating your farm system to get it. Yep. And then if he leaves after those two and a half years and you haven't found success, then what do you do? Your your farm system is is completely destroyed, and you weren't able to retain twenty five year old Juan Soto, who who is a generational talent. Which you look at, you know. I feel bad. I do feel bad for Juan Soto because all of this stuff going public does have to be really hard on him. And he, you know, he's a he's a young guy, and he seems very frustrated. But you also can basically not trust a word that scott boris says ever
0: mm-hmm.
1: and he's definitely out there making things <laughs> worse So, like the nationals clearly leaked the story to um so uh the court of public opinion in their favor and then scott boris turns around and goes oh well the the Nationals refused to charter a flight for Juan Soto to go to the All-Star Game, so he had to fly on a commercial airliner. And it's like, yeah, so did a lot of other players. The Nationals did not charter a flight for one player. They instead, per the new CBA, bought him a ticket first class to go to the All-Star Game. And they're like, oh, and he got in at one thirty in the morning. It's like, the the home, before the Home Run Derby. The Home Run Derby was at, like, 6 o'clock p.m. Mountain Time. So, I'm not, I can't really feel bad for for Juan Soto for that, because he, it wasn't like he was slumming it on, you know, Spirit Airlines, where the the bottom of the plane's about to fall out from underneath his feet. He was flying first class on a major airline at the team's expense. Like, I can definitely understand why the Nationals would not want to charter... A private jet for one guy Mm -hmm. and i also can understand for juan soto 15 years and 440 million dollars that is a lot of money that is also a lot of time 15 years is a long time and there were there were some positives of that like i think it was zero deferred money so he would be getting all of that money pretty much every year which about 30 million dollars annual value that's a lot yeah, of money. Like, That's life changing money,
0: and I think it was like backloaded too. So as the deal went on, he'd be getting more money. Yeah.
1: Yep. And I can see why, especially twenty three years old, one of the one of the growing faces of the game, uh, a, a superstar in his own right, why he would want more. And you can't expect every player to be like uh, Ozzy Albie's or Ronald Cunha Jr. or Wander Franco, and take. You know, smaller, way team friendlier deals for for solid amount of time. Like uh, Wander Franco's contract, and he's he's like the top prospect of the of the Rays is like 11 years, and only 182 million dollars. That's mm-hmm. excruciatingly team friendly, and you can't expect every player to do that. But mm-hmm. for for Juan Soto right now, it it's like y'all said, you have to basically sell the entire farm, and then you get two and a half years of control over Juan Soto. Awesome. But if you don't do anything within those two and a half years, and then you cannot retain him because your smaller market team cannot necessarily uh, make it work payroll-wise to be paying one guy, you know, 30-plus million dollars a year, or it would probably, if... If he wanted a a shorter term contract and wanted more money, like Mm -hmm. you could be getting up to 40 or 50 million dollars a year on just one Mm -hmm. guy. And then if you can't keep him and he walks in free agency, you're left with a decimated farm system and nothing to show for it. Yep. And so it's it's so, so tricky. It's like, yeah, if the Rockies got Juan Soto, that'd be awesome. Juan Soto is a Rocky mashing dingers in quarters. He had a home run 520 feet last year in the home run derby. That rules. But we would basically be losing our top four, top five prospects in Zach Veen, Drew Romo, Ezekiel Tovar, Adele Amador, maybe even Benny Montgomery or Elioros Montero or... Or these other guys.
0: Or some like Ryan McMahon over to, no, because they want big league
1: players type right. of thing. We would right, also right. potentially have to take on a contract of someone like Patrick Corbin or, or Steven Strasburg. And then you've got to hope, hope that Dick Monfort or whoever would be willing to fork over that cash to keep Juan Soto here long term. But also that we would be able to get Soto on a deal that would enable us to build around him and I get that mm-hmm. all the major league owners are billionaires they can technically afford anything but realistically these small market teams are not going to spend that much money and go so far over the, the luxury threshold we've already seen that there's basically only two teams that are willing to do that it's the Dodgers and the Mets and it would be terrible For the sport of baseball to continue to funnel all of the superstars towards the two big market teams that are the most willing to spend money, consequences be damned. Especially for the Dodgers, who, like, everyone's like, oh, the Dodgers don't have limited resources. They do. The Dodgers have unlimited resources. They have a seemingly endlessly deep farm system. They are willing to spend however much money it takes, consequences be damned. They are always a competitor and the fact that we are we are genuinely looking at if the nationals don't retain soto a future where juan soto goes to the dodgers is i think a worst case scenario for the sport because Mm -hmm. it again makes it so that one of the at least one of the major divisions in all of baseball is basically non-competitive because how do you compete with the dodgers
0: Mm mm-hmm yeah, I think that's the, the big thing. Is, you know, one Soto is this big talent. You no, know, yeah, maybe he takes a smaller deal. He hits free agency. But I think the big comparing thing that Scott Boris and they, they were looking for Max Scherzer money, you no know, comparing the two, which I don't think that's comparable. I personally, I don't think Max Scherzer should be getting $40 million a year to pitch every five days. You no. Know. There's a whole other conversation with the world of baseball money and just stupid baseball money, but it, I think that's the thing: is would you sell your future as an organization for Juan Soto now, with the uncertainty of if you can keep him more than two years? Uh, I, I, that's a the Sophie's choice of of it, and personally, I don't think there's many teams that want to do that. Especially now in today's game, where I think a lot of teams value their prospects way more, mostly from a talent perspective and a financial perspective, where, you no, know, I can keep Zach Veen for much cheaper than paying Juan Soto, and maybe get as as good a talent out of him. You know, baseball is just a huge gamble. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and maybe it turns maybe that's an
1: unpopular opinion, but I think this situation shows. Why Major League Baseball needs a salary cap
2: hmm.
0: or it, or just adjustments of any kind in that specifically, but yeah, salary cap of something. and but as we know, that probably will never fly because then we'll end up in another lockout. so yes, yep. yep. <sighs> money, money, money. but best of luck, Nationals fans, our heart, our hearts go out to you. We know what it feels like it sucks but you'll get through it you'll have new talent come up that you'll fall in love with even though the pain never quite <laughs> goes away yeah, i
1: mean if if they if the nationals do trade soto you are going to get some really cool prospects out of it yeah
0: <laughs> so you have that to look forward to you're going to get a haul yeah and that else. that is
1: at least something and you know what you won the world series in 2019 and and i've said this a couple times now but eventually that toll comes due and the nationals are at that point where uh tax man's here to collect and it's going to be weird especially with the ownership situation for the nationals where the the learners are looking to sell and we don't really know what's going to happen but you can you can at least sit down and hope that Regardless, you're going to get a good haul for Juan Soto if he leaves, and if not, you're still going to have. And if he doesn't leave, you're still going to have Juan Soto. Yep. Yeah.
0: Until so he leaves in free agency. Uh, Mac, when does the Taxman Marvel Disney Plus series come out?
2: Oh,
1: got name, man. <laughs> the Taxman comes though. due January 29th on Disney Plus. <laughs>
0: And it's just him going around and just collecting taxes from people.
1: This <laughs> is in a business suit. Played by Mark yeah, Wahlberg. Yeah, look,
2: man, I appreciate Juan Soto's talent, but for all the reasons you guys said, I think it's going to be real tricky moving him anywhere. hmm But
0: I do not want a lineup that features Mookie Betts, Juan Soto, and Freddie Freeman. Yep.
1: Mookie Betts, Plus Juan Will Soto, Smith. Freddie Freeman, Cody Bellinger. Trey Turner. Trey Turner. Muncie, if he can Will get his Smith. head on straight. Will Smith, mm-hmm. one of the best catchers in the league.
0: With Walker Bueller on the mound.
1: Walker Bueller on the mound. Gavin Lux really putting it together this season. Mm-hmm. God, I hate the Dodgers.
0: Ugh. Craig Kimbrell <laughs> coming in for the save.
1: And on that we can all
2: agree.
0: The Dodgers are awful. Mm-hmm.
1: Like I will I will root for literally any other NL West team over the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. Like,
0: even if it's the Giants,
1: even if it's the Giants, Yuck. I flat out was rooting for the Giants over the Dodgers last year because I was really like, anything is better than the Dodgers.
0: Mm-hmm. Hashtag BLA chance. There it is. That's the goal. I
1: I do wish that they could have gotten Buster Posey a little bit further in the playoffs last year. It's like, even if you don't like the Giants, it is impossible to not like Buster Posey.
0: Uh, He's the reason we don't have collisions at the plate, and I miss that.
1: Well, they still allow it from time to time. We saw that really bad call the other day with Elias Diaz, where the umpires clearly showed that it's better to absolutely demolish the catcher than to try and avoid a dangerous collision. Mm Hmm. But,
0: anyways, best of luck to you Nationals (laughs)
1: fans. (laughs) Best of luck to you.
0: Don't sell him to the Dodgers.
1: Yep. Send or him, the Yankees. Send him to or the Mets.
0: Or the Blue Jays. No, the Blue Jays is fine.
1: <laughs> how about, or how, the how about the Mariners? Juan Soto the Mariner. Get uh get Julio Rodriguez and Juan Soto on the same team. There you
0: go. Decisions, decisions. I hope he just ends up on the Pirates somehow. <laughs> that would be amazing. No
1: way, Bob Nutting pays actual money. <laughs> <laughs> best case that scenario. Just, that
0: would be amazing though, Juan Soto the pirate.
1: Hey, you know though, I'd be I'd be over the moon for Pirates fans because it it would mean that that ownership is finally willing to spend and try and put together a competitive team. <laughs> Something. That would be so great for Pirates fans. Yes, it would be. Probably bad for Juan Soto,
0: but good for Pirates fans. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. <laughs> But I think that's going to do it here for this edition of Affected by Altitude. Uh, thanks for joining me, fellas. It's been a fun week. Lots of good discussion here about the All-Star break and everything. Uh, Mac, where can the where can people Naruto run to find you?
2: <laughs> that's ridiculous. Uh, you can hit me up on Twitter, at CormacBattlePro, which is at C-O-R-M-A-C BattlePro. Come talk to me about all kinds of stuff up to and including but not limited to baseball and anime and kingdom hearts and all kinds of other super fun exciting stuff yeah
0: (laughs) uh evan where can the people instant transmission to find you
1: uh you can find me on twitter at at evan underscore lang 27 uh love to hear from you as always Um, if you're a raiders fan i will remind you that your team has not won a playoff game since 2002 Wow. Uh, <laughs> wow. Uh, find my stuff at Purple Row, doing Thursday Rock Piles. Um, would love for you to check out the article I put up this most recent Thursday about Daniel Montagno, who's killing it in the Rockies farm system, playing like a top prospect when he's not even on the on the official top 30 listing. He's been absolutely fabulous over the last two seasons, and you should be excited about that. Uh, also had a ton of the draft coverage, so if you want to find uh, recaps and trackers for this year's draft, you can find those on Purple Row as well. You can also hit us up at the official Affected by Altitude Twitter account, which is at Altitude Effect. Nice. And Skyler, how about you? Where can we find you at?
0: You can find me on Twitter at at sideline underscore crowd, uh, and just talking baseball there. Uh, and I'll talk Owls baseball too. too. Um, And then Sunday Rock Piles is always for me. And then news articles as I can find them. (laughs) So, fun stuff. But that's going to do it here. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you next time. Hit them with it.
1: Farewell. 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 Beautiful.